course. Well, okay, I don't want to keep you too late, so I don't know if anybody uh, had a chance to uh, watch the video that I sent out today. If you were on the email list, then you got it. But if you didn't, here it is. Okay, so yes, yeah, so thank you all for being here. I really appreciate coming out on a Monday evening again. My name is Ravi Chandra. I'm a psychiatrist and writer here in San Francisco. And I just want to say, this is about Asian American boys and men, but we're not all alike. We don't all stand with our arms crossed. We don't all play video games. We don't all graduate from high school or college. And, but at the end of the day, we all end up looking like this. <laughs> Finally, we're all hunched over a computer at some point in our lives, uh, really stressed out. Um, so I'm presenting some big picture ideas. And of course, when any therapist works with an individual, uh, we should listen to and try to understand that individual and work with them in the spirit of positive empathic regard and not make assumptions based on their ethnicity. Still, having some big picture knowledge really helps a lot. Right now, there's a lot of understandable mistrust between the genders because of the rising wounds of women and the Me Too movement. And I hope this week and next week to provide some insight to hopefully promote healing. As a psychiatrist, my goal is to ease the suffering of all my patients, no matter their gender. There's no such thing as a man without a woman, and there's no such thing as a woman without men. Uh, when I listen to a man, I always hear about the women in their lives, and when I listen to a woman, I always hear about the men in their lives. And that's true no matter what sexual orientation my patients or friends have. Our lives are woven together, and there is a lot of care in the space between us. So uh, this is just a, a big picture overview of the Asian population in the United States. You can see that about 80% of the population of 18 million is composed of six groups. Chinese, Filipino, Asian Indian, Korean, Japanese, and Vietnamese Americans. And the other 20% is some 50 plus other groups. Um, oh, come in. Yes. All right. Come on in, we're just getting started. Um, yes, I was just, uh, I'll wait to get it settled in. Hi. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, so this is uh, an overview of the Asian American population in the United States. You can see about 80% of the uh, Asian American population is composed of six groups, Chinese, Filipino, Asian Indian, Korean, Japanese, and Vietnamese Americans. Um, and the other 20% is comprised of uh, many other groups. And in 2010, Asian Americans were 5.6% of the U.S. resident population of about 310 million. And this is expected to double in percentage and almost triple in number by 2060. By 2060, we'll number about 48 million and be about 11.7% of the population. Uh, Native Hawaiians, Pacific Islanders comprise about half a percent, uh, or 1.4 million, and they're expected to double in number and slightly increase in percentage by 2060 to about 2.9 million or 0.7 percent. Um, so the questions that this kind of figure brings up for me is, what is Asian American identity? How cohesive and coherent is Asian American identity, intra-ethnically, inter-ethnically, gender-wise, professionally, spiritually, politically, culturally, socioeconomically, and so forth? And how does identity and a sense of support and belonging and disconnection uh, and alienation and representation and so forth, how do all of those things affect mental health outcomes? So these are all open questions and they may be different for, for individuals as well. So here's uh, an overview of uh, Asian American immigration history and discrimination. So on the left, you'll see uh, a variety of groups and just a brief summary of how they came to the United States. Asian Americans have been present in what's now the United States for well over 400 years. And the more recent waves of immigration and civil rights uh, advances uh, since the 60s derive from advances fought for by African Americans, Asian Americans, Latinos, 
and Native Americans. Um, also, the overwhelming majority, two-thirds of Asian Americans, are immigrants or children of immigrants. And I'm a 1.8 generation immigrant. I came over when I was 18 months old, and my mother was sponsored by black administrators and institutions to work in historically black uh, settings in the rural and inner city South. And I grew up in the South and the Midwest before I came to California. But, um, but you can see Filipinos came uh, first in 1587 uh, to San Luis Obispo, uh, and then there were uh, a, a, the galleon trade and 20th and more prominently 20th century Menons, and then greater uh, immigration post uh, 60s and 80s. South Asians uh, originally uh, were in the United States as indentured servants in the 1600s, um, and then there were big waves uh, following the 1860s with Punjabi Sikhs uh, in the Central Valley, and then uh, post-1946, uh, 1965 Immigration Act, and in the 80s and beyond. Uh, Chinese, of course, have been here since the early 1800s, uh, and then uh, their numbers rose uh, during the gold rush and uh, uh, the fishing along the coast uh, brought a lot of people in. Uh, uh, building the railroad, of course, brought a lot of people in. And then there were waves after 1943, 1965, and the 80s. And you can see uh, also Japanese uh, Americans uh, coming in originally as students and scholars in the 1850s. Uh, and, uh, and then in the agricultural uh, uh, industry. Um, and, uh, and, then, and then have been here for uh, many generations. Um, uh, Koreans also, uh, kind of similar uh, in the late 1800s, but then a lot more immigrated post-Korean War and then uh, after 1965 and the 1980s. Um, Southeast Asians uh, primarily came uh, pri uh, after uh, the Vietnam and Cambodia conflicts and from the 1980s on, another wave. Um, on the uh, bottom left is a photo of Dalip Singh Sand, who came over to the United States when he was about 20 years old and became a judge, and he was the first Sikh and the first Indian American congressman, and he was an advocate for immigration and civil rights. So the big, uh, in red, you'll see the major uh, uh, acts that excluded Asians, uh, uh, in 1882, the Chinese Exclusion Act. Uh, 1924, the National Origins Immigration Act, which also suppressed immigration. In uh, 1934, the Tidings McDuffie Act, uh, which led to Philip the Philippines becoming an independent state, but also severely restricted uh, Philippine immigration. Um, and Asian immigration has been affected by colonialism, war, violence, racism, sexism classism, religious discrimination, and so forth. And these are all wounds of relatedness and belonging, uh, and acceptance, and inclusion. Um, and in blue, you'll see the main advances uh, uh, for Asian American immigration and civil rights. 1943, the Chinese Exclusion Act was repealed during the Second World War. 1946, the Loose Seller Act increased, uh, raised the quota, I guess, for um, for uh, Asian some Asian immigrants. In 1957, there was the first Civil Rights Act, and then 1964, another Civil Rights Act, and of course, the 1965 Voting Rights and Immigration Acts, which really uh, removed the quotas for Asian immigration uh, uh, after 1965. And of course, a, a great advance was 1988, uh, the Redress and Reparations uh, movement came to a culmination uh, with the Civil Liberties Act uh, of 88. So, um, so there's been all this progress, and, um, and of course we have, uh, you all know that uh, we, uh, we really had a big advance last year, which changed everything, right? Do you know what that big advance was? The Crazy Rich Asians Act of 2018, <laughs> which totally solved all of our problems, right? Just kidding. And then this year, of course, the Farewell Act of 2019. Um, I'm joking, of course, but I really hope that we can all show each other the kind of love that these filmmakers and many others like them bring to their subjects. Then I think we'd really form a deeper community. Um, so Asian America is diverse, uh, ethnically, intra-ethnically, and uh, by religion, philosophy, political perspectives, looks and body type, gender identity, sexual orientation, the generations in the United States, immigration status, social cultural experiences in the United States, education, social economic status, 
uh, and mental and health conditions vary by immigration, uh, by, by uh, ethnic group as well. But what unifies us? Um, some writers and academics peg it solely to a history of marginalization and oppression, but I know there's more. Beyond our immigration experiences and experiences of racism and discrimination, there are cultural, philosophical, familial, and psychological commonalities in Asian America, which I'll get to, and a political cultural movement beginning in the 1960s that invented the umbrella term Asian American in the first place and forged inter-ethnic solidarities. That broad inter-ethnic community was a powerful identity-shaping force for me uh, and continues to be central, though hardly exclusive. Uh, being a minority in America means you have to learn how to code switch or uh, juggle your, your, your relating uh, and uh, thinking when you're with different groups of people. So you, I think, uh, at best learn to understand different groups of people better. And uh, sometimes that's between family and peers or between different groups of peers. Um, so it can make identity formation a particular challenge, but it can also be a joy to find a sense of common humanity, cultural connection, and also uh, a connection to the specificity of being yourself. So um, these are broad generalities about the Asian American psyche supported by literature and my own experience. And this is a, a photograph uh, from Happy Cleaners, uh, a movie uh, about the Korean American immigrant experience which will be released next year, which I highly recommend. Um, so in general, broadly speaking, we have an interdependent psychology or a family-centered ego. Uh, we tend to lean more interdependent versus individualistic uh, but this is variable. Uh, one study I looked at suggested that interdependence is only held by, uh, by some, or many actually. Um, and you may have seen uh, studies about how Asians in Asia think more subjectively, intersubjectively, and, and interdependently than others. In other words, it, it's not just about you, but it's about how you are related to the group. Um, uh, and from a Buddhist perspective anyway, interdependence is reality. A separate, individualistic, independent existence is a delusion. But America has become increasingly narcissistic and individualistic over the last 50 years. So that's a challenge. We come from India to Japan, we come from face cultures. Um, uh, we, uh, we all, do, we, do you all understand the concept of face? Have you heard that before? Uh, uh, basically, a sense of honor and pride uh, 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 that you don't, and also that you don't display problems. And uh, to not lose face, uh, you have to conform, not do anything which would cause embarrassment or shame to yourself or others. And this is a lot of pressure. Uh, and it leads to a, a, a conflict avoidance sometimes, or denial of problems, suppression of problems, not accepting differences uh, when, they, when they come up. You just kind of suppress your, your feelings uh, before you work them out. And sometimes uh, kids are burdened with problems that can't be shared outside of the family because otherwise the family would, would be embarrassed. Um, so there are some concepts from Korea, Jung and Han. So Jung means just as the mind is not separate from the body, so the self is not separate from other selves. Um, so we're all related, we're all connected, and that's a, a concept from, uh, from Buddhism originally, but in, in Korea it's called Jong. Uh, in Korea they also have a concept called Han, or collective suffering, or shared oppression. So that's uh, an important concept, and we'll get back to that. Um, uh, from Japan, uh, there are concepts such as uh, Gaman, which is perseverance, um, Shikataganai, which is uh, a sense of, uh, well, it, it literally means it can't be helped. So it's a kind of futility uh, of, uh, of, of life, um, but also a kind of acceptance that things are the way they are. Um, amairu uh, from Japan, the desire to be need, uh, the desire and need to be cared for. We all have dependency needs, and this kind of gets uh, downplayed in an individualistic culture, but Amairu. Uh, is a concept that allows for that, uh, that state of dependency on others or interdependency. Um, so wabi-sabi is a concept of uh, the, uh, the beauty of imperfection. 
So that's an important counter to a perfectionistic kind of mindset uh, to accept imperfection and find beauty in it. Mono no aware, which is the awareness of impermanence. I think that's an important concept as well. Honne tatame, I don't know if I'm pronouncing those correctly, but the idea that we have a difference between our inner feelings and what we display to others. Um, and uh, we also have what's called a context-sensitive self, which is also related to our, our concept of interdependence, which is the self in relation to others. So we, and this can be prob cause difficulties if we think too much about what others think of us and form our identities based on that, as opposed to thinking of what we think of ourselves. So there's a balance there which is important to, uh, to strike. Um, and I think also because of our interdependent, generally interdependent nature and our immigration history, there's a heightened need for belonging uh, and connection, um, which, uh, which, is, which, is, uh, which we see. Um, Asian Americans tend to be more pessimistic than whites, but just as optimistic as well. And this is thought to be important for resilience because you, uh, although you have a negative outlook, you kind of plan for the downside and you, you, you just tend to work harder to, uh, to achieve. Um, so uh, more pessimistic than whites. Uh, we also tend to be perfectionistic. That's, these are uh, things that come up in the popular culture a lot uh, regarding parents and so forth. Um, and I call it that charming Asian American super ego. Um, so that to look at oneself perhaps overly critically, and also at times look at others overly critically. Um, and you know, we hear about it, for example, with the tiger mother uh, and so forth, um, but, uh, uh, but uh, it's the way our parents often carry worry is to, uh, to throw in these little critiques. Um, and I think judgmentalism vies with support. Um, so, uh, you know, the, I don't know if you've ever heard about the Irish exit, you know, where, uh, uh, I mean, this is a stereotype that Irish, uh, the Irish person just leaves without saying goodbye. Well, I think Asians have a hello, which is like, oh, you look fat, or your room's a mess, or, you know, I'm joking, but, but there's these little critical comments that come up. Um, okay, and um, love is generally felt through presence and acts, not words. Um, and, uh, uh, there is a lot of uh, trauma and intergenerational trauma, and immigration itself can be a growth challenge or a trauma or both, uh, leading to shame, silence, and mental health problems, and, and, and of course internment uh, was a huge trauma, and often the second and later generations feel what the generation that went through that didn't allow themselves to feel. Um, and there is often a strong maternal influence or even dominance in families, but overarchingly patriarchal societies, uh, which leads to conflicts for both boys and girls. Uh, but the situation is more complex, I believe, than, than pure Western-style patriarchy. But if all of this is too hard to remember, I have an easier way. The happy baby boba Buddha. So, <laughs> so everyone loves babies. Babies make everyone happy. Uh, uh, and uh, boba makes everyone happy too. And uh, Buddhism is, a, 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 is an Asian religion that has influenced uh, 2,500 years of history in Asia, in Asia and uh, also in Asian America. So happy baby boba Buddha. Say that 10 times fast. Okay, so here's some other uh, concepts, uh, which is, there's a lot here, but uh, uh, this is imp all important, I think, in understanding Asian Americans. Stanley Sue, a psychologist uh, who, who uh, wrote in the 70s about the marginal man, which is uh, the mindset is to assimilate at any cost, um, but remains blindly committed to American ideals, um, and while being disenfranchised from those ideals. So you're committed to this ideal, but you're never really included in that ideal. Um, and uh, uh, I, I think about it this way, what does it profit a man or a woman to gain whiteness, which is whiteness is kind of the accepted standard of America. 
Um, but what is it like, uh, what does it profit us to gain whiteness and lose our soul? So what do we lose when we assimilate? In other words, I think it's important uh, to keep our connection to Asian America, no matter who we marry or what community we live in and so forth. So um, the next uh, section is about a book that just came out this year called Racial Melancholia, Racial Dissociation. And its basic thesis is that, uh, and I haven't read the whole thing, just a, a, a large essay from it. Um, As Asian Americans, we suffer losses because of racism and the impossibility of assimilation. And college students in particular, their issues especially are sometimes seen as solely the result of conflict with family. Um, and the therapist's analysis doesn't go deeply enough into the issues of historical racism, immigration, and intergenerational trauma, and disconnection from America. And so naming these losses and disconnections is the first step towards healing. Um, I think their analysis is overly reliant on a psychoanalytic and academic uh, and political frameworks because one of the authors is a psychoanalyst and the other is an academic. So, um, so I think there are other frameworks uh, that are important, uh, such as inner work, mindfulness, compassion, relational cultural theory, which is the idea that all suffering is because of disconnection and that, uh, that the opposite of suffering is belonging. So I think those, that's an important thing to consider, as well as art and so forth, other ways in, uh, other than politics to understand uh, our, ourselves. Um, and then a few years ago, I wrote about what I call Asian American Han. So if you remember, uh, the Korean concept of Han was a sense of shared suffering and collective oppression. Um, and I think we have that too as Asian Americans, uh, that, uh, that as Asian Americans, uh, no matter your ethnicity, there's something shared about our experience that, uh, that can be called a collective suffering or Han. There's also, I think, an American Han, a broader Han, and a global Han, our collective suffering as human beings on Earth. And I think it explains part of the way that we feel each other's distress in some way. Uh, uh, through caring about each other. And belonging and acceptance concerns are amplified for Asian Americans because of that more interdependent identity, but also because of intergenerational trauma, often leading to attachment issues. Um, and therapeutically, of course, we always deal with what's on the plate. We, we don't necessarily you know, probe into all of those other issues and, and, uh, unless the patient is, is ready for that and wants to talk about that. Um, uh, there's also uh, the model minority myth and other stereotypes which damage how we're seen and how we see ourselves. We can place too much emphasis on work versus love, and we, we are seen by the culture as workers rather than in our broad identities. And racism is central in, in how we're seen. Um, and so the question is, what is the balance between political and psychosocial, cultural, spiritual health? Um, and Martin Luther King said, I call upon you to be creatively maladjusted to our, our, our conditions in society. Um, so it, I think there's a blend of the political and other, uh, uh, other modes of looking at us. So uh, dealing with perfectionism, high expectations, ideals, and reality, uh, can we take comfort in each other as good enough? Uh, and uh, how do we hold each other's uh, uh, being? Um, and our identities have, I think, bio, psycho, social, and cultural and spiritual dimensions, and we are not simply political beings, though that's an important component of our identities. Um, and also feel free to stop and ask me questions about this because uh, I'm, I'm going to be going through a lot of concepts. Um, so there are some broad uh, uh, issues of Asian American mental health which the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration pointed out. Um, so overall, there are lower prevalence rates of psychiatric disorders. Um, there are higher rates in certain subgroups, uh, depending on uh, ethnicity, gender, and age, um, but lower utilization of healthcare services for a variety of reasons, um, uh, including language, cultural barriers, uh, distrust of providers, not wanting to ask strangers for help. So, um, so that's a problem, even though supposedly we have 
lower rates of mental health disorders, broadly speaking. We're still using less, than we, uh, using less mental health services than we should or could be. Um, so, um, but there are many unresolved questions about these uh, statements. Uh, uh, one is that, um, uh, that, uh, that if prevalence rates are lower, uh, I wonder what are the protective factors for Asian American health uh, other than suppressing our emotions. So that's not really a protective factor in the long run. Um, what is the effect of cultural bias in the con conceptualization of mental and emotional distress? The diagnoses that are put forward by the APA and in the West are uh, based on uh, uh, research with what's called a weird population. Western, westernized, educated, industrialized, rich, and democratic samples. So that may obviously does differ from the general, uh, from the Asian American population. Um, how do cultural differences in psychology and temperament of Asian Americans alter symptom expression? For example, depression is often uh, felt as uh, body aches, headaches, stomach aches, and so forth, not as an emotional distress. So that's just a, a cultural difference. And also, there are differences uh, in how one could or should study Asian Americans uh, in these studies. Um, for example, uh, there's, uh, uh, you could, if you ask Asians to self-report their uh, distress, they actually report higher levels of uh, uh, depression on a certain scale. But if you interview them, it turns out they don't fit what's called uh, major depressive disorder. So there's some kind of distress going on, but it doesn't fit uh, major depressive disorder. So what is that? And I think it's some kind of complex uh, relational uh, and, and, and cultural uh, uh, expression uh, of distress, which, uh, which obviously doesn't fit major depression, but I think is, I personally, I think is more tied to relational conflicts. But, um, uh, but, uh, but that's still not understood well. Uh, there are also other uh, problems with the way these uh, first three things were, uh, were uh, decided, uh, including sampling biases and so forth. So, so there, there's still a lot more research that needs to be done. And by the way, all of this, uh, most of this research that I'm presenting uh, came out in a 2016 uh, paper released by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, and it was just about Asian American boys and men. I think they were prepared to work on a similar report for women, but the administration changed. So I think that, that that's why there isn't a similar report for women. So I'll, I'll be talking on kind of a different, from a different angle for, for most of uh, what I'm speaking about next week. So um, there are stories beneath the surfaces of Asian American men. Uh, there's often submerged childhood, family, and intergenerational trauma which can emerge in midlife or beyond. Our inner child often shows up in midlife asking for care. So just here are some uh, fictional stories uh, about uh, three different Asian American men. So Bin uh, is a second generation Chinese Vietnamese American, the only child of refugees. He identifies as gay, he's high achieving, driven, his parents are survivors of trauma, uh, he, uh, uh, who had minimal English skills. Um, he seems happy and outgoing, but underneath uh, there are pressures to succeed, uh, pressures to care for his parents. He's unsure of his community and about fitting in and romance and what America is really about. And he's still finding himself in a country of racism and homophobia. Uh, in the middle, Gurinder, a third-generation Punjabi Sikh American. He's the middle of three kids, a musician, a college dropout. Uh, other siblings are high achievers. He's very connected to his community and to political issues, yet also feels judged for his choices. He's creative, but struggles with depression uh, and alcohol abuse, and he struggles to make a living and to have a relationship. So, uh, and finally, over on the right, Bill, a third-generation Chinese-American, uh, again, these are all fictional examples, um, he's a semi-retired lawyer um, who cares for his wife, who he cared for his wife uh, who died of breast cancer 10 years ago. He has three grown children and two of them live far away. He has chronic pain issues. 
He puts up a brave front, but he has a history of being physically and verbally abused as a child by his mother. So, you know, I obviously made up these stories, but I think they're kind of emblematic of the kinds of stories that, that lurk beneath the surfaces of Asian American men. Um, so, uh, depression, again, there's a lower prevalence of mental health uh, problems such as depression. Uh, depression is lower in immigrant men versus U.S.-born men. So U.S.-born men have higher rates of depression. Um, and uh, depression is lower in English-speaking men. Um, so uh, uh, males are more affected by depression in college versus females. Uh, depression is increased in masculine gender-conforming men, and we can speculate about why, how, how does toxic masculinity affect uh, mental health. Uh, I think there are unresolved cultural pressures with the majority culture uh, they're, they're, and, and their own culture. There's poorer relatability with uh, these masculine gender-conforming men, isolation, uh, and less of an emotional outlet. Um, and there are other factors which, uh, which I'll just briefly touch on for, uh, for specific populations. For example, there's increased rates of depression uh, for Chinese boys uh, who experience uh, more bullying and teasing. Uh, and um, uh, Southeast Asian men have, uh, 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 who have trauma and large families have uh, larger amounts of depression, higher rates of depression. South Asian men with financial stress, family conflict, and low-rated uh, social position have higher rates of depression. Um, and uh, uh, gay Asian American men who feel racially devalued uh, engage in riskier sexual behavior. So all important things to keep in, uh, keep in mind. Uh, Native, Native Hawaiian men have higher rates of depressions than whites, uh, and they both have higher, uh, and both women and men have higher rates. Um, so this is a picture of Jake Choi. I don't know if you know him. He's been in some movies. He's also in this TV show called Single Parenting, uh, or Single Parents. Um, uh, he recently disclosed the impact of immigration, trauma, and uh, working, his working class roots, and masculine gender norms on his mental health. So, um, so I think that's great. I think we need more people to disclose and talk about uh, their mental health, uh, particularly uh, celebrities. Um, so, uh, of course, we have to talk about suicide. Um, and suicide is almost always, is always a tragedy for the victim and those who love them. Uh, three of my young male friends committed suicide, and two of those with guns. And since gun suicide is often impulsive and certainly the most lethal means, we do need better gun regulations like waiting periods and background checks to curb suicide. Um, overall, the Asian American suicide rate is lower compared to whites, 8.8 uh, .8 versus 14 per 100,000, um, but it's highest in 75 to 84-year-old Asian American men at 42.1 per 100,000. Uh, amongst Asian Americans, uh, we have our highest rates of suicide uh, between both men and women between ages 20 to 24 at 12.4 per 100,000. So young people are at risk. Asian American college students have increased suicidal uh, ideation and attempts versus whites. Um, and uh, really uh, dramatically, and, and uh, it's a very difficult uh, statistic, that suicide rates for Korean Americans have doubled from 2003 to 2012. Um, the variety of reasons for this, um, uh, in, uh, which, uh, which uh, some Korean researchers uh, in Korea point to increasing income inequality, weakening of social solidarity and social isolation and poverty amongst the elderly as, as contributing factors to high suicide rates. And 73% of Korean Americans are immigrants. Um, and also, uh, the mental health of girls and women, of course, affects boys and men. And 65 to 84-year-old women have the highest suicide rate of any ethnicity. So quickly to go over some statistics for younger folks, suicide ages 15 to 19, uh, uh, the death rates uh, for boys is 40%, about half of that for white boys, but uh, Asian American girls' death rate is similar to white girls. Um, overall, the suicide rate for ages 15 to 19 is about half. 
but there have been clusters of suicides as we might know about which and, and so this these these statistics might be a little outdated um, I think they come from 2010 um, so uh, of those who have seriously considered suicide in grades 9 to 12 Asian American boys seriously consider suicide 1.3 times the rate of white boys Asian American girls are similar to white girls um, and of those with suicidal ideation, the percent who attempt suicide in grades 9 through 12, uh, one, Asian American boys are 1.4 times more likely to attempt suicide uh, than uh, white boys uh, when they have suicidal ideation. And Asian American girls are 1.1 times more likely to attempt suicide uh, when they have suicidal ideation. And, um, and of course, I don't think that girls and boys should be thought of separately because mental health affects uh, both genders. Uh, mental health of one gender affects the other gender. Um, so uh, just a few thoughts about uh, schizophrenia, that uh, Asian Americans with acculturative stress, uh, immigrative, immigration stress, may be at increased risk for auditory and visual hallucinations. Um, and Filipinos and Japanese in Hawaii have a higher severity. Um, and uh, men are more likely than women to use inpatient services for schizophrenia. Um, and uh, substance abuse is overall lower in the Asian American population, but it's higher in US born versus foreign born, higher in Filipinos versus Chinese, and alcohol uh, abuse is higher in Korean women versus Korean men. Uh, and depression is also higher in Korean women versus Korean men. Would there be any difference if they're first generation or second generation? There's not enough data uh, about that yet. Um, but, but in general, the more generations you are in the United States, the more like the general population you become. So, uh, so, uh, so that, in other words, that's why um, the, uh, there's, there's higher rates of substance abuse in the US born. Uh, than the, than the uh, foreign born, uh, the, the first generation. So, uh, so uh, and, and the same thing uh, tends, seems to be true for depression and anxiety and so forth as well. Okay, so, um, so Asian Americans seek help less often than the general population and men seek help less than women. And this has got to change, of course. Um, there are a lot of reasons that men seek help less. Uh, there's a stigma of mental health services. There's what's called the masculine counter-dependency, which is uh, fleeing or avoiding the situation when you're feeling dependent. Um, and of course, racism and gender conflict uh, occur, uh, which uh, cause men sometimes to suppress problems. Um, also, the tendency to conform to a non-emotional ideal um, and and of, I think the biggest reason, the lack of culturally competent services. Um, and, you know, Asian American men often hear things like, don't make trouble for us by seeking help, don't talk about your problems with strangers, you have to solve your own problems in your head, um, or, or, or sometimes we're taught to think about mental health issues as character problems, and it's none of the above. Um, so there's, a, in general, a lack of un cultural understanding about mental health issues, uh, a need for care, medications, therapy, and so forth. Um, and, uh, and also, um, there are other factors exacerbating mental health problems. Uh, those with lower educational attainment have more uh, mental health problems. Uh, those who get negatively stereotyped by teachers have more problems. For example, Native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders Filipinos and Hmong males versus females. Those all, there have been studies about those groups being more negatively stereotyped and therefore having more mental health impact. Um, also, the damaging model minority myth can create a lot of pressures as well. Um, and uh, we may have heard about things like emasculation in the broader culture, uh, microaggressions, and they're all subtle ways which we're made to feel other and that we don't belong. Uh, and of students who report being bullied, Asian American students report more than any other racial group that the bullying is because of race. And 17% of Asian American boys reported being violently victimized, had a gun or knife pulled on them, they were stabbed or cut or jumped at least once in the past year. 
and incarceration and arrest uh, raises mental health problems as well uh, for, for a number of, for, for any group, but, uh, but in particular it's been studied in, in Native Hawaiian-specific Islanders, Southeast Asians, young South Asians, and Filipinos. Oh, and, uh, whoops. Does education have any any bearing on, on the statistic? Yes, so uh, those with lower educational attainment tend to have more mental health problems. Um, and you know, that, that's a correlation, so I think if you, can, if you have kind of the long-term planning skills to uh, stay in school and all the distress tolerance that it takes to get through school, that serves your mental health. And, and folks who don't have those skills or supports uh, are exposed to more and have a harder time dealing with it. I mean, I think basically that's that's what happens. Um, so uh, also, uh, this is uh, uh, Eddie Zhang, um, uh, we're talk just talking about incarceration. Well, he committed crimes at age 16, uh, and he went to prison for 20 years, but he's now a community activist and leader. So so I think there are uh, there are definitely uh, uh, ways that we can find hope, even for those uh, people who have been uh, incarcerated. Um, so, uh, so what are the challenge of, challenges of Asian American manhood? So I think, uh, in general, uh, Freud talks about work, love, and play. Um, so professional achievements, fulfillment and, and, and pleasure in relationships and family, experiencing mutual love, and play, enjoying life and oneself as we are. Um, there's physical health and uh, well-being uh, uh, challenges of manhood. Uh, Self-acceptance and self-confidence, self-love and compassion, I think, are important. Um, working towards what I call an ease of interdependence or relatedness, uh, being loved and accepted by others and by the community, uh, learning how to, or working towards belonging versus just fitting in, uh, being true to oneself, especially if you are different from the mainstream in some way, and we're all different from the mainstream. Um, expanding one's personal caring capacity is, I think, an important part of growing uh, to, through adulthood. Um, and then distress, distress and frustration tolerance, which I, I mentioned before. And I think a lot of this is, uh, you know, obviously facing your inner world and having the ability to tolerate distressing and difficult emotions. I think self-compassion can play a, a large role in that, also relationships. Um, but also facing what can seem the annihilatory disapproval of the culture and environment uh, and, uh, uh, and, and gender relations uh, as well, and invisibilization, emasculation, desexualization, dealing with Asian stereotypes, um, uh, and, and, and so forth. Um, so, so this is all, uh, these are all different kinds of stereotypes uh, that were quiet, unassuming, robotic worker drones, etc. So we, 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 to face that kind of disapproval. Um, and then spiritual and philosophical growth and coherence uh, to, uh, to, to face existential questions of life, such as death, meaning, freedom, loneliness, and relatedness. Now, a lot of these are true uh, for, for both genders, of course, and, and uh, also for the general population, but I think there's a specific spin that Asian Americans have on all of this as well. So to talk a little, start talking a little bit about uh, gender relations and our contact with each other, but also uh, intra-gender relations, uh, we live in a, this is a quote from Dr. Keltner uh, from his book, uh, Born to be Good. He's a social psychologist at UC Berkeley. And this is a picture from Always Be My Maybe, which just came out earlier this year with uh, Randall Park and Ali Wong. Um, so Dr. Keltner says, we live in a touch-deprived culture. The impoverishment of touch in US society owes deep roots to the Puritans, well known for their attempts at extirpating ordinary human delights, dance, laughter, theatrical drama, and touch. In a recent observational study of the frequency of touch in cafes in different parts of the world, University of Florida psychologist uh, S.M. Girard observed two people in conversation over a cup of coffee. In London, not a single touch was observed. In Florida, two touches over a conversation. In Paris, 110. And in San Juan, Puerto Rico, 180. So, um, so I think boys and men in general do not get as much welcome touch as girls and women do. 
And from what I've read, male-to-male -male touch was more acceptable in American society before a rise in homophobia in the late 1800s. And in Asian cultures in Asia, from my observations, male-male touch is much more accepted. Uh, you see in India, for example, boys and men walking hand in hand, and it's, it's just part of the culture. It's not, it's not thought of as gay or anything like that, it's just part of the culture. Um, so I think we have to start shifting our sensibilities around welcome touch for all genders. And I think my personal view is that when we politicize touch, we go into a headspace that's removed from the truth of our humanity. Um, so now to raise the difficult topic of gender relations, uh, here's a quote from Grace Cow, who's a Yale sociologist, and her colleagues wrote that, we find that despite the higher education and income of Asian American men, there is evidence that they are systematically excluded from having romantic relationships during adolescence and young adulthood. So I think we have to find ways to speak with compassion about gender relations in our community. All too often, especially online, it becomes a matter of power relations uh, and not about love and understanding and compassion. Um, and uh, there are some statistics out there. There are higher outmarriage rates for women versus men, and this varies by ethnicity. In 2015, 36% uh, of Asian American women newlyweds married out of, outside of their ethnicity versus only 21% of Asian American men. So there is a differential here. And Asian American men and black women are the least desirable on dating apps, and that you may have heard that before. So there's a question, why, why is this happening? Uh, and what should we understand about it? And I think it's possible to have compassion for everybody, no matter what their dating choice is. Uh, it's not about control or anything, but just, I think, curiosity about what each individual's uh, dating choices and cultural experiences have been to uh, shape, shape who they date. So it could be an effect of racism, living in a majority white culture, which disproportionately affects women. Um, women may have a greater quote-unquote choice because they're quote-unquote more desirable on dating apps. I don't know about that, but I mean, that, that, that's something that's said. Um, is it because Asian Americans bring out vulnerability concerns in each other, um, i.e. some Asian American women subtly see, feel safer with white men? Um, I had a friend who uh, a while ago uh, I was visiting uh, in another city, and um, I, I, you know, we, I, I said, would it be interesting, I think it would be interesting if we would travel to a purple state and brought some kind of psychological angle to what's going on in the country, because I'd done talks on narcissism in, in America and so forth, and she, she was an Asian American woman, she said, uh, that sounds like a great idea, but I think I'd feel safer traveling with a white man or with a group of white men. So I said, wow, you know, um, but that's a real, you know, I, I can understand her concern, but that's an interesting tell, I guess you could say, about uh, safety concerns that, that perhaps minority women, Asian American women might carry. Um, so, so that might be a way that uh, vulnerability might uh, be soothed uh, by, uh, by a relationship with uh, a white man, whether it's, I don't think that's actually true, but it, it may be part of the background. So, um, so I think we, we do need to look at our vulnerabilities with compassion and I think try to be better for each other uh, as well um, so that uh, we can defuse uh, all these negative stereotypes that we might be carrying about ourselves and each other. So I think it is, this is a mental health issue in our community and we, we do need to create space um, to, uh, to discuss it compassionately uh, because we can help each other understand our relational patterns and make this a win-win situation. <laughs> so a uh, uh, little joke to the Vietnamese folks out there. All right, so two-thirds of us are immigrants or children of immigrants and our story is still being written. All too often, the dominant culture doesn't see us for who we are, and we ourselves are still working that out. And these are some of the men who are helping us form community and see a bigger picture. There's Andrew Yang, of course, is this poet Bao Fi, uh, uh, playwright Philip Khan Gotanda, uh, Senator Norman Mineta, or Representative Norman Mineta, who became the Secretary of Transportation, uh, uh, and uh, Hassan Minaj, Viet Thanh Nguyen, George Takei, and uh, playwright David Henry Huang. 
Um, so there are many Asian American male heroes. And as a doctor, I've known many Asian American men who care for the disabled partners, spouses, and children. Um, there are the every, these are the everyday unsung heroes of our community. And I think anyone can be a hero if they stop and take the time to notice the needs of others and take on the challenge to help them in some way. Um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Wesley Yang. Um, he uh, wrote a, an award-winning New York Magazine essay uh, call, called Paper Tigers, uh, in which he advocated for an aggressive stance to combat racism. But I wrote uh, in 2014 that Yang leaves out psychological success and mental health in favor of more visible outward signs of prestige. He does rightly triumph individuality and creative resistance to racism as paths to self-expression, self-respect, and some kind of status. Dare to be interesting, he concludes, but his version of interesting seemed to be, to me, a form of assimilation and capitulation to the most pugnacious and aggressive of American values. And I think we as Asian Americans of all genders can do better, uh, whether it's Asian American men caring for women, Asian American women caring for men, or Asian Americans concerned about the deep scars of societal suffering and relational wounds in other communities. But what is the Asian American man's heroic journey? And I think that's up to us as individuals, but it's certainly a combination or balancing act between working at one's own identity, one's own purpose, self-expression, uh, our relationships, and a sense of success in life and how we define success and belonging to a bigger picture. Um, we have variable rates of mental health problems, uh, but we do suffer and seek help less frequently. We may be suppressing a lot of distress that needs to be brought into relatedness, and we can't solve our problems in our heads. Um, I think we have a great caring and community capacity, and if we really are kind of suffering the traditional mental health problems less, maybe we do have more capacity to care for others. Uh, and uh, we can keep working at our connections to other communities of color and to the broader community. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, Han is the Korean term for a sense of shared suffering and oppression. And I think there's also an Asian American Han, uh, and an American Han, and a global Han of our collective suffering. How will we relate to our connection how will we relate to our possibilities and our suffering? And I think, for me, cultivating mindfulness, compassion, and self-compassion have been vital in my own personal growth. Compassion is an adaptive, caregiving response to the suffering one finds in oneself and others, and it's necessary for, for resilience and preventing burnout. Um, so uh, I love these quotes from some of my, Asian Ameri from my uh, American and Asian role models. Um, Martin Luther King, there are some things that I never intend to become adjusted to, and I call upon you to be, continue to be maladjusted, to be creatively maladjusted. Uh, the Buddha said, hatred never ceases by hatred. By love alone does hatred cease. That is the eternal law. And His Holiness the Dalai Lama, at the most fundamental level, our nature is compassionate. Cooperation, not conflict, lies at the heart of the basic principles that govern our human existence. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening. I guess it went a little over time, but thank you for uh, being here. So do you have any questions or? Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So. All right. It says to me, hatred never ceases by hatred. By love alone, the speaker cease. That is the eternal law. Yes, yes. I think that's a, a central thread in all the world's religions. So, yeah. I didn't realize that South Asians were here before the Scandinavians and Eastern Europeans. Right, 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 right. I don't know when did the Scandinavians uh, get here. Eighteen hundreds. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it was small numbers at that time, but. Uh, and I actually don't know if they stayed or if they were here and then left uh, to other places. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was. Uh, oops. oops. There. Yeah. Yeah.
so there's a lot of history, but I think it's, it is important to remember that uh, over two-thirds of us are first uh, or second generation. So we're, I think we're still finding our way and, and uh, finding our voice and our sense of community. Yes, uh, I mean, uh, uh, I don't have them at hand, but I think for things like schizophrenia, there are supposedly equal rates of uh, uh, schizophrenia, but, uh, but actually uh, people with schizophrenia do better in quote-unquote less developed countries uh, because of uh, cultural supports, it, it solves, and, and immigration worsens uh, those statistics. Um, uh, and uh, uh, I can't remember the, the rates for depression and anxiety and so forth, but um, yeah. 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 So, well, did you guys sign up online? I, I, I actually haven't met you before. I think I've met everybody else before, but... Um, oh, oh, great, great, great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming. Yeah. Um, in your Absolutely. I mean, I think I think that culturally competent services are primary, which is understanding and being open to. I think you know, first of all, having empathy uh, is key. So even if a therapist doesn't know all the cultural details, having empathy to try to understand a person's individual culture is, is so important. Um, so that's number one. But sure, I think. Uh, I think that uh, you know, language, for example, can play a huge, is, is absolutely a deciding factor for so many people in seeking care if they can find folks who speak their same language. And, and uh, uh, that's, uh, uh, we, luckily we have a lot of that here in San Francisco. Um, but I think, I think, yeah, just being sensitive to cultural differences and this history is so important uh, you know, that, that we talked about. Uh, um, so, I mean, I think, that, um, that, well, I've heard stories of, uh, and I've had experience with Asian American therapists who don't understand the history and the racism and so forth. And, and so, you know, they, 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 uh, they could really, would not be able to help, uh, uh, you know, an Asian American person, I think, suffering from uh, or connected to those issues. Um, so, so I think, uh, yeah, I think somebody who's really aware of, uh, uh, of racism, of stereotyping, of, uh, the difficulties of, uh, uh, of finding belonging. That's really important. Yeah. Um, I don't know, just the schizophrenia thing, like the, uh, I read something recently about, like, I guess it might have been India, but like in the States, the voices in Canada are violent, whereas in India it's like more positive. <laughs> or oh. it's, you know, like the, it's a cleaner room or something like that. Like, really? I, I found that kind of funny, like, oh wow, it's, it's like, and, and, um, and another thing is, is travel is like really good because like I just visited Europe, Paris, like recently, friends, all over friends, and it's just so different. Like as far as like just like the touch comparison, and just yeah. And I'm like learning French now just to get the hell out of here because I get to change. It's like yeah, it's it's so. Uh, a closer, different. warmer cultures. Uh, yeah, even like we're talking about the. Um, well, the, the dating thing was you know, a huge thing. Like even going there, just being not like not invisible or just oh, this is weird. But it's, you know, they're showing interest. Whereas here, it's like uh, I read reading like other Asian authors. It's like it's not even like invisible. It's like a disdain for why are you even asking me? You know, that it's there's it's, ten, yeah more it's tension. Like a disdain of like why why would they even go out with you? You know, like at your um, um, I think he had like a uh, black females, same. Yeah. Asian yeah. males and black females both have that um, uh, from media or whatever it's uh, lower, I guess. Right. There, there's all these stereotypes and, and, in, and they intersect, you know. I mean, I think you know, I saw a, a YouTube video from the Fung Brothers where they were talking to uh, uh, young Asian Americans, college age, and um, 
uh, one Asian American woman said, oh, I dated so-and-so, the Asian American man standing next to me, but, but, uh, but eventually I decided to go out with a white man because he seemed more confident. I mean, you know, so there's this, you know, way of uh, the negative stereotype can emerge. And, and I think, you know, if you, if you uh, as, as Grace Cow pointed out, if Asian American men are, quote unquote, systematically excluded from dating in adolescence and young adulthood, that can affect one's confidence for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, recently there was, uh, or it was like, um, I guess it was a journalist or something about kind of that issue of where she wasn't really aware of it herself. She was, it was just like, oh wait, I, I'm open to everybody. Like that's kind of like what she wrote. And then like, right. but I just only dated white men. So I'm gonna, right. try, I'm gonna try to date other. And then she got a lot of backlash from that. Like, why would you? Right. Celeste Ng. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yes, because I think she, she had an interesting quote. She said, I think of other Asians as kin because the only Asian people I knew growing up in the Midwest or wherever were cousins. So, so it's, it's interesting and, you know, to how that uh, played out in her consciousness. But, you know, clearly Asians in Asia have no problem dating each other. Or, you know, so, you know, so it's, it's worth talking about. And, but I think, unfortunately, she got all this hateful backlash, um, uh, and, and that's that's the thing. I think you know, I read a bunch of these articles, and it, it, it's like the word compassion did not even come up once in any of these articles. Like compassion for women who are making these choices, or for the men who are uh, feeling left out. I mean, there, it was all about who's right, who's wrong, who should be in charge, and, and that's just that's just it's never gonna you can you can't get to love through uh, trying to control uh, the other person. Uh, you know, that's, that's, it's, yeah, contradictory. I think Asian American women have just as much trouble. If I was in Boxburg in 78, and I think the whole place was almost, I was 99.9% whites. Mm -hmm. I went to a seminar for about a month. And so this guy came from Australia, he and I were sitting there holding hands. Somebody from our class came over and ripped my hands apart. They disapproved so badly. Mm. Wow. Wow. Where was that again? Huh? Where was that? Blacksburg, Virginia. Virginia. Gosh. Yeah. 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 Right. I mean, Loving versus Virginia is only 52 years old, right? Uh, um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but, but people do face pressures for interracial dating as well. I mean, for sure. So. It goes in many different directions. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even run around. Yeah. yeah. It takes a lot to step out of the box. Yeah. What is the box? Do you think? What's the? Whatever your, um, whatever values you were brought up with. Mm -hmm. That's right. The question is, what do you cherish, and uh, what what do you want to change? Yeah. And you know, I think that as Asian Americans, we have a lot to offer the broader community as well. There are a lot of strengths, uh, and, and and you know, I think I think uh, uh, you know we can be part of changing America for the better. We have been. You know, uh, Asian Americans have definitely added their voices. So. So getting America to step out of its box too, I think, is important. You know, you can maybe make a, you know, get out of all the boxes and, and you know, make make something where uh, a country where we all feel uh, accepted and included. Uh, so important. Yeah. I think here in California, if you're in a group that's say 30% whites, let's say you're not from San Francisco, maybe from Oregon or San Diego. They discriminate pretty heavily against Asian people. Yep, yep. And you know, I was just reading an article about uh, hate crimes on the New York subways. I mean, is New York the most diverse city in the country? And there are hate crimes against Asians and elder Asians. You know, so uh, so this is uh, this is definitely a problem. And as I mentioned, uh, Chinese boys, uh, well, Asian Americans who are bullied 
are more often bullied because of race than other ethnicities. So, yeah. So it's out there. Thank you so much, and I'm doing Asian American women's psychology next week, uh, uh, which I'll have to look at again because it's a little, it was a little bit longer than this one, so it's, this one was already kind of long, but uh, I didn't realize it would take, when I practiced it, it was not this long, but I think I, even, even though I might have spoken very quickly, I think I actually spoke uh, slow, more slowly than when I practiced it. <laughs> so, but I hope you can come back for the next one. And then after that, I'll have a talk on narcissism in the American psyche, then a couple on technology and psychology, and another one on narcissism uh, at the end of October. So, yeah.